welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and as always, we're thrilled that you've taken some time to be with us on this beautiful day. I gotta tell you guys, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice today, but there is nothing worse than a summer cold, and I have a summer cold. I am so stuffed up here on the 2nd of July that it's not even funny, and the stupidest thing about this summer cold is that I had to go all the way from my home here in Pennsylvania to Texas to get this cold. I went down to Texas last week with some friends, and I was hunting Axis deer, and there was a guy from Philadelphia, of all places, he was a rifle hunter who was in camp. He was the only other guy in camp aside from our group, and he had this terrible cold, and he sounded like hell all week. And sure enough, I went from Pennsylvania to catch a stupid cold from a guy from Philadelphia while I was hunting Axis deer in 95 degree heat. So that's my sob story for today. But uh, that being said, I will rise above and we are going to have an awesome show today talking about uh, preseason shooting preparation and a little bit of target shooting. And I've got a brand new bow. Uh, this year from my friends at PSE and my guest today is uh, none other than Mr. Bobby Vargas from PSE Archery. Uh, Bobby, thank you so much for being on Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. You bet, you bet. I appreciate you guys having me. These are a lot of fun to do. And I appreciate you setting me up with that Performax 3D bow uh, that you had sent me this spring. I've been having a lot of fun uh, with that bow. And, uh, man, it just really is a, a sweet shooting bow. And even though I've been, you know, a bow hunter for a long time and I, I've done some 3D shooting over the years, I've never really had my own target bow until this year. And it's just been... It's been kind of a cool experience having a, a bona fide target bow and, and getting into that a little bit deeper. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we always recommend, I mean, you can shoot target with just about any bow, but when you have a bow specifically designed for that, the results are going to be so much better, and it's going to make the experience so much better, too. Um, yeah, shooting target in the off season is, is hugely important. Yeah, and you know what's funny is I just, you know, I was telling you before we started, I we're just wrapping up our September issue right now and I actually wrote the column for that issue um, about a 3D tournament that I shot with a friend this past Saturday night at uh, a local club here in Pennsylvania it was a team tournament that I shot with a buddy of mine actually a buddy that you know I think you know his, his name is Brian Glenn he owns archery at the Glen here in Allentown Pennsylvania he's been a big PSE dealer for many years and uh, anyway Brian and I shot that he was shooting that with uh, one of his PSE hunting bows but long story short, we ended up uh, we ended up winning 150 bucks at the tournament on Saturday night, which was great. But the funny thing about the story is we won 150 bucks for finishing in 30th place, Bobby. <laughs> 
So <laughs> it was. That's awesome. The club has the club has this. Um, really neat it's a night shift they call it the night shift shootout it's a night shoot and they set up 20 targets under the lights and they pay out every fifth place down to 45th place so uh you can either win money for finishing first or second or you can win money for fifth tenth fifteenth twentieth twenty fifth etc and uh, we took the thirtieth place payout so we tripled uh, our money on the event and and actually we shot fairly well you know in the 3d game the guys who are really serious about it Bobby right you've got to shoot 14s or you're you're basically nothing right Um, and we shot well. We we averaged eleven point eight per target, so just about a twelve for every target, which you know for 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 a bow hunter is really good shooting. And and that's the thing to me, you know, as a bow hunter, um, when you play that three D game and you do some target shooting, you realize like there's killing animals, and then there's putting that arrow. You know, if you're going to shoot for those 14s, you're basically hitting a 50 cent piece, you know, over and over and over again. And the guys that can do that, uh, you know, that just impresses me. And 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 there's a level of precision there uh, that goes beyond, you know, what I would call the the bow hunter's mentality, which is how I'm I'm typically evaluating a shot when I shoot at a 3D target and I'm looking at my arrow and you're saying, okay, did you kill it or didn't you? And if you made a good killing shot, you're like, well, it's good. But then you step onto the 3D course and, you know, good isn't going to quite cut it anymore if you want to compete and, and win. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of value for those of us who are bow hunters in getting into some of that because it forces you to kind of dial yourself in, you know what I mean? Yeah, yes, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's the 3D system is so much fun, and it's great practice for bow hunters. And as bow hunters, you know the right placement to put an arrow to have a, a good ethical shot on an animal, and that that's all fine. But if you're wanting to compete on that on the 3D circuit, you need to be able to know where your rings are and know 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 where to place your shots, and 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 all of that comes into play, even though that. 14 ring may be, you know, up in in an area of a body where you wouldn't want to shoot an animal during an actual hunting situation, but if you learn to be able to pick a spot and hit that spot that you're that you're shooting at, that's going to make your bow hunting shots that much more that much easier to do and and make you be make you that much more accurate. So, yeah, focusing on being able to make those those shots will help you a ton on the hunting side. Oh yeah, and it's you know there was a shot that i made you know on saturday where you know i was aiming at the the 12 ring behind the shoulder and i just the shot was just low and on an actual deer it would have been a perfect heart shot you know and you would have been just ecstatic with it in the field but on the 3d course it really wasn't a very good shot at all because not only was it not a 12 it wasn't a 10 it was basically an eight and um those are the kind of things where you know it it just it it forces you to you know have that added level of precision and 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 to take it what i was writing about in that column is you know for for the average bow hunter 
I think that, again, any shot that's going to kill the animal fairly quickly, you're going to say that's a great shot. But if you if you take that target shooter's mentality through the off-season and you spend your whole summer really trying to dial in on that smaller area within the vital area or or that 14 ring like you talked about which typically is in the you know the upper right hand corner of the insert you know really and if you miss that 14 you're as liable to get a five as you are to get an eight Uh, but if you take that mindset and then you start to say okay you're telling me you just shot that thing in the heart and it's a bad shot or you just double lung that animal and that's a bad shot and you're like yeah it's a bad shot because I wanted to be you know two inches higher or I wanted to be two inches to the left and what I wrote about in the column is you spend your summer doing that then now you transition to hunting season and you're in a situation where not only are my good shots going to kill the animals, but now I know that even if I make a bad shot, I'm going to kill the animal because my bad shots aren't like my bad shots were, right, 20 years ago when I just first picked up a bow and started bow hunting. Now my bad shots are like if I miss by two inches. And when you have the confidence to know like, you know what, I'm probably going to make a good, a good shot. But even if I make a bad shot, I'm still going to kill this thing. That will take your confidence to a new level for sure. Oh, it, it'll it'll move you up leaps and bounds. And confidence is a huge part of of archery, and there are so many other contributing factors to being good at it. But having the confidence in your ability and in your equipment. And I did a, another small piece not too long ago where I talked to some people about knowing your bow and knowing your equipment. Like knowing, you know, where where your arrow is going to impact. If if you're, you know, we, we talked a lot about bow hunting in in this piece here. So most bow hunters are going to have some kind of a multi-pin setup. So and not everybody sets their sights at an odd distance. It's it's most often 20, 30, 40. But you don't always have that luxury of having that animal standing at an exact 10 yard range. So you have to know where where your arrow is going to impact if you have to split pins or if you have to hold a little hold your 30 yard pin a little high. You know you have to know where where it's going to impact. So no practicing on 3Ds like this during the off season and getting to know your bow inside and out is going to help you leaps and bounds during a during a hunting situation. Yeah, and you know you do You've done a fair, uh, quite a bit of, of target shooting yourself over the years, haven't you, Bobby? A little bit, uh-huh. I, sh- I shot a little 3D, shot a little little indoor spots, uh-huh. And what's your favorite, what's your favorite way to get prepared for, for bow season? For bow season, I love being outside. Any, any, time, any time you get to shoot your bow, you're conditioning your body, you're keeping your muscles in tune, you're, you're maintaining that muscle memory. So anytime you shoot your bow, it's great, whether it's indoors or outdoors. And, and I'll do a lot of both, but if I'm going to pick a particular uh, discipline for getting ready for the archery season, I'm going to be outside and I'm going to be shooting 3Ds. It does a lot of different things for you. Um, 
you're using the natural lighting and you're getting to know uh, your site picture with your sites using natural lighting. You're, you're out in the elements. You're shooting uphill and downhill like you would you know, during a hunting situation. And in where, where I am down in, in southern Arizona, we do primarily spot and stock. We do do a little ground blind hunting and we do find the occasional tree to put a, a stand in. But the higher percentage of, of our hunting out here is spot and stock. So there's a lot of different variables every single time you go out. So for me, my preparation is on the 3D course. Um, and and get, getting to practice your guessing, too. I think every single bow hunter out, out there carries a rangefinder with them. And I'm sure everyone who's hunted for any length of time has been in a situation where you didn't have time to grab that rangefinder to find out exactly how far that animal is. So you have to be able to have some kind of an internal rangefinder to at least give you a really good idea of how, how close or far that animal is, and you need to know your bow well enough to know what sight setting to use. Um, and you're going to miss. It's going to happen. You know, if you're going to bow hunt for any length of time, you're going to miss, um, and that's okay. That was just that was a great learning experience. Learn from it and, and, and carry those thoughts with you the next time you, you go out in the field. Well, yeah, you talk about, you know, being familiar with your equipment and, and all those things that come into play. Like, I find even just the angle affects things so much on the 3D course, too. You know, when you're standing perfectly broadside to a target, it's one thing. But when you get off where you're shooting and you're off to the right or to the left on that target line, that, you know, you have to become familiar with with where your arrow is going to hit and the impact again when you're aiming at something you know i don't even really shoot at the 14s bobby i'm just trying to get 12s but even the 12 ring is probably only i don't know it's maybe a couple inches in diameter maybe two and a half inches wide and it's not a very big spot and it you don't have to be off by much at all to to miss that darn thing you know and and yeah, there's a lot that comes into it. Um, I'll tell you one thing that I never like at all for bow hunting, but I have enjoyed on the target bow is there's one thing that drives me nuts. I don't know how you feel about it, but I can't stand a single pin sight for hunting because the animals are always moving around and I, I just, I get too flustered trying to constantly readjust the pin, you know, for, for my shot. But man it is nice having that movable pin on the 3d range and dialing in and always holding your pin right exactly where you want to hit is a luxury because like you said when i'm hunting you've got to get familiar with your gapping and all that yeah exactly and i've gone back and forth over the years with the single pin style sight and the multiple pin style sight and and i've been in situations where i've moved in within range of animals and i've been able to range it and dial it to the exact yardage and and make a good shot but i think i've been in more situations where i'm within range of an animal and that couple seconds it takes to range and dial he's taken another step and then you know you want to make sure you make a good shot and since you've only got that one pin to to set in the vital area you want to make sure you're in the right place so you're going to take another couple seconds to to range and dial again and and i've been in situations where i've i've been trying to get a good range and trying to get the dial on 
and I end up not getting a shot at all when I know that if I had my multiple pin set up with me and I was able to get a range on it, my pins are already set for specific yardages, I'd have had time to, to make the shot. So my, my, my current personal favorite uh, setup is a multi-pin sight, and that's what I'll use on the 3D course too. I will say that I do score better on a 3D course when I'm on a, on a known course with a movable pin sight and I can dial it in exactly. But if I'm getting ready for hunting season and I really want to get to know my bow, I'll, I use my multi-pin sight for most of my, my 3D shooting. Yeah, um, I definitely think it's a good idea to practice how you hunt. I just, I just happen to, you know, have that on this performax. And, and I'm going to mention one more thing, and I, and I want to jump over to the hunting bows here in, in, in a couple minutes. But I do want to touch a little bit more on this performax because this is a bow that, uh, man, I don't know how it's doing for you all across the country, but I can tell you here in Pennsylvania, I can barely even count. The number of shooters uh like even at this shoot on saturday night who were shooting that performax whether it's the performax or the the performax 3d which is the one i have it's a little shorter uh axle to axle bow but man just a lot of people have really enjoyed that bow what uh what has made that that so successful for you guys you know over the last you know five or six years we we've had a really big push on our target side we We've always had a target offerings, but we've been better known for for our performance and our hunting bows. But over the last five or six years, we put a lot of research and development into the target side and really really putting a lot of work and technology into that target side too. Um, and we started coming along with you know with a dominator from several years ago, and that was probably probably the bow that really put us back on the map for for target and that particular bow you know we're we're somewhat of an an engineering driven company and when we developed that dominator it was a great looking bow probably still the best shooting bow that i've had in my in my hands one of the best and it was uh an ambidextrous handle so it, it functionally it was perfect for production, it was even better because it was so easy to produce because we made a right-hand and left-handed handle, so it was easy in production and things like that. But we were getting beat by aesthetics, and even though we're all big, burly bow hunters and, and archers, we still want our stuff to look cool, too. So I think one of the big things that really helped with that Performex was the looks of it. It's It is a super sexy-looking bow, but not only does it look good, we have poured so much technology into that product to make it the bow that it is. You know, the ECS cam system with multiple uh, let-off settings that lets you pick um, whatever holding weight you want. You know, you can pick whatever let-off you want, but more specifically with target shooters, they're trying to find a specific holding weight, a specific holding weight that, that works well for their shooting style. So you can do that with that ECS cam with our high let-off mods and our low let-off mods. And then the other part about that Performax 2 was the, uh, excuse me, the um, LAS system. It was introduced on our expression a couple years ago, but the LAS system, it's a lateral adjust system where you can, you can adjust your pocket 
uh, left to right and it shifts your string left to right and depending on your grip style and grip pressure and shooting style you can really fine-tune that bow to fit you when most most other times hunters are trying to or shooters make themselves conform to the to the bow we're making it so that this bow fits you and you don't have to change anything you just pick it up and and shoot it till you get it dialed in for for you so i think you know those those are some huge contributing factors to the success of the performance or the yeah the performance well it uh it's definitely a sweet shooting bow i can tell you that and uh it's it's definitely like you said at the beginning you know you can shoot obviously any discipline of archery with pretty much any bow but but it is nice to have a a dedicated target bow because that lower that lower let off definitely makes a difference and uh, of course having a bow that's longer than most of your hunting bows is is give give you that added stability and, and of course i've got a a big old Vibracheck stabilizer on there, like I don't know how much. It's pretty dang long. It's probably three feet long, and uh, yeah, just kind of like not really what I'm used to being that bow hunter. Uh, but it's been it's kind of been a treat, and now uh, it's time to make that transition because the seasons are quickly approaching. You know, I mentioned I was down in Texas hunting some axis deer last week, and and actually was down there twice this month. So I've killed actually killed two deer here. In uh, in June, which is a pretty good head start on the season, but my first real hunt is is um, coming up in August. I've got an antelope hunt out in Montana, so it really is going to be soon about time to start getting more serious with the hunting bows. And I know just as you guys have put a lot of R and D into your target bows, that you've got uh, you know a lot of great options out there for the bow hunters and. I know that uh, with with your you know your X Tech limbs and some of your cam designs that you guys have nowadays, you you've brought a lot of that same target level type accuracy to the field. Oh yeah, yeah. We it, all of that that technology spills over into most of the product line. Um, we don't uh, we don't want to just give it all to that target archer. We want everyone shooting our bows to have a good experience. Uh, we give we we put all the tools into just about every every bow that we make. And, and talking about that, the uh, the ECS cam system that we put on the that was re- originally introduced on the hunting side, and then that one you know we we turned it into dropped it into the target side when we introduced the Performex and things like that. But you know that we talk about the the adjustment on it and the let off options on it you know the if you're that target archer you most target guys like lower let off higher holding weight so you have that option with with that ECS cam and then you know you hit the perfect you know, topic with antelope hunting you know you get you're you're out and you're spotting and stalking or or however however you're hunting that antelope a lot of times you have to draw when you see them coming in and you might have to hold for long periods of time. So if I was shoot, if I was in that situation, I would shoot that ECS cam in the 90% let off position. It's got a deep, generous valley. It's the cam itself is so smooth to pull. I've had so many people make comments about our cam that are blown away by pulling a 70 pound bow. Um, 
trying to convince me that they're only pulling 60 when they're actually pulling, you know, 10 or 12 pounds more than, than what it actually feels like. So they're maintaining that, that energy of a heavier weight bow. It's pulling smoother. Plus, with that 90% let off, you can hold for a long period of time. And one thing that a lot of people don't know about, about our bows and the, and the ECS cam system is with any other let off adjustable cam, including our own from the past, with any other let off adjustable cam, you typically will get slower in the higher let off position. But with the ECS cam system, you will actually maintain the same performance and, and we have seen on, on a few occasions you gain a couple feet per second going to that 90% let off position. So you can get into that, that comfortable position of the cam and not worry about losing any speed or performance. It's a, it's a pretty awesome system. And, and with that X technology limb system that we have, where we've got the we've got the patent on the highly preloaded limb. You'll see a lot of other manufacturers try to duplicate the look of our highly preload limb, but they'll start with an extreme angle at the limb pocket. They're not actually preloading the limb as much as we do, but by preloading that limb as much as we do, it creates such a short launch time, meaning from the time you you hit your release, the arrows off the string so quickly. It leaves you so little time to make mistakes on that shot that your your accuracy is going to go through the roof. Even with our super high-performance short brace height hunting bow, you're going to find that you're not going to give up any accuracy at all. All you're going to do is maintain tons of performance and speed, and you're still going to hit your mark because of that X-Tectolim technology and the ECS cam system. It's incredible. Yeah, that's one thing, you know, that I had spoken about in the past with one of your colleagues is we had a discussion about brace height and forgiveness and of course conventional wisdom in the in the bow hunting world is going to tell you that a a bow you know say with a seven inch brace height is always going to be more forgiving than a bow with a six inch brace height but it was your colleague who actually challenged me to sort of revisit that conventional wisdom and question it for the exact reason that you said is if you just look at those measurements that doesn't actually give you a true measure of forgiveness because if one bow is so much faster than another then the you know in firearms we would refer to it as lock time right it's the time between when you squeeze the trigger and when that bullet is actually out of the muzzle of the barrel and obviously the faster you know that happens the shorter your lock time well you guys have have figured out a way to build bows that have such uh, short lock times if you will in other words the amount of time as you as you just said between the time that you release the string and the arrow is off the bow is so quick that it that actually makes uh, some of these bows of today you know with these shorter brace heights just as forgiving as uh, you know a bow with a with a longer brace height would have been years ago right that, that's exactly right we, we've all you know guys of our age I've always been taught, you know, long axle, axle, deep brace height is what you need to be accurate. And if you get short bow, short brace height, you're going to be fast, but you're not going to be as accurate. That's what we've all been taught. But we have really broken all those barriers with the X technology. You know, some of the things to take a look at, um, 
is the dynamic brace height with the bows. You know, the, you might get a, find another bow with a deeper brace height than ours, but if you look at the dynamic brace height, there a lot of other manufacturers' bows will carry that string a lot longer beyond brace than ours do. And every bit that it carries it beyond brace, the more performance you're losing and the more accuracy you're losing. So with, with ours, it, with our X-Technology limb system, it pulls it pulls that system, cable and string system together so tightly, so quickly that your dynamic brace height is still stays uh, very deep. So um, we, I, I think you may have been part of it when we did the uh, side-by-side videos a few years ago. That might have been what you were referring to, but we did some videos. If, if you guys get a chance, go to the PSE YouTube channel and look up dynamic brace height, and the other huge eye-opener is uh, launch time. When you look at, at launch time and see some side-by-side slow-motion footage with our bows compared to uh, another brand, it's, it's a huge eye-opener to see how quick the air was off our string compared to other models. Yeah, and I wanted to circle back to something you said earlier about that ECS cam system, too, because my ears really perked up. Um, like I know with the with the Performex 3D that I'm shooting, um, I've got that at 65% let off. And you mentioned uh, a hunting bow with the same cam system that you can put up to 90% let off. Are you saying that any of your bows that use that cam system can you go anywhere from 65 to 90% on any of those models? That's correct. Anything, anything with the ECS cam system, and we have two different sizes. We have the, the EC, which is the original, and that's the larger version of the ECS cams that we introduced. And then the SE, which just stands for small ECS. Both of those will utilize um, the two different module systems that we talked about. So the bows, the hunting bows ship with the high let off, feel good module, which ships in the 90% let off position. And it's adjustable down to 85 and 80. And then if you want less than that, there's another module you can drop in there. That'll do 75, 70, and 65 with that same cam system. All you do is change the module. It's a pretty sweet setup. Yeah, there's a lot of versatility there. So so what are, what are, um, what are some of the... Uh, you know, we still... Right now, it's, it's just early July. And uh, so... I guess we're coming into the peak buying season, actually, Bobby. Uh, this is, at least here in the east, I know, uh, you know, out west where you guys are, guys are probably a little bit further along in their preseason prep because obviously some of those seasons start to open up in August. But typically here, you know, for a lot of people in the east, it's not yet until October. So July and August is tends to be... The getting to be the busy season for the pro shops and guys are still buying a lot of new bows what are what are the most popular uh, models that you guys are seeing this year on the hunting side in the PSE lineup you know on, on the on the PSE side on, on the hunting side of it the evoke models have been taken off really really well there's the evoke 31 and the evoke 35 both share the ECS cam system with it uh, just two different geometries to choose from and another model that we had introduced summer of last year was an Evolve 28 
So it's a, a shorter, compact version, ultra lightweight, 328 feet per second on a 28-inch axle-to-axle model bow at 90% let off. Um, that's become hugely popular for us. But of the three models, that, that middle geometry seems to be the most popular, and that Evoke 31 um, has all of the technology built into what we had, had talked about, ECS cam system, X technology, and uh, still the uh, the Carbon Air Stealth EC, that one, that one, you know, with as lightweight as it is and as good as it feels to shoot, just perfect for really any situation. Whether whether you're going to be on a on a high mountain goat hunt or sitting in a tree stand, it doesn't matter. That bow is, is just one of the perfect configurations for it. Yeah, and I know that you guys have been really proud of those carbon bows uh, for you know since you introduced them several years ago and you guys build your your carbon bows um, you know a little bit different than than other people do uh, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit but it is kind of kind of unique the way that PSE puts its carbon risers together yeah it, we, there is a, a unique and proprietary process so We'll leave it at that. It's a it's a unique process to building these handles, and uh, the the structural integrity with these these handles is is mind blowing to me. Just just feeling this bow in your hand and and feeling how light it is, and knowing how strong it is too. Um, on the consumer side of it, when when you you only get to see it at the dealers and you only get to touch and feel it there until you get to go shoot it, you know, that's one thing. But when I'm in here and I get to see the process and I know what's involved and I know what testing is involved to make sure that that handle is as strong as it is, it is mind-blowing to know how how much that handle can take before one actually gets built and boxed and shipped out of here. It's, it's incredible. What do you guys see in Bobby in terms of... Um consumer demand uh, on the speed end of things. I know a few years back, you guys really kind of pushed the whole industry forward with some of the bows that you had. I think the uh, you had an, an, the Omen that I think had an IBO like of 370 or something like that. And, and you guys now have kind of, kind of, set a new bar at that time and and you know maybe there's some others that have have kind of crept up on that but uh have you feeling like the the marketplace has shifted away from that at all or or is it just that the the fast bows of today are, are so forgiving now that uh people are people are you know expecting to get that speed and the forgiveness together yeah, I, I'd say a little bit of both. That there, there's no doubt that we that we beat everybody in performance. You know, referring to speed for the longest time. The Omen was 360. The full throttle was 370. Just mind blowing speeds. Um, and and from building those bows, we've learned a ton about about building the bows and building the cam system. And now we've got the uh, Expedite in our current line today. That shoots 360 at, at you know 65 percent let off, and then you can put the feel good high let off module on that bow, and still get 352 feet per second. So one of the things that uh, that we were that we did fall behind on, and I'll be the first to admit it, was feel. Our bows were crazy fast and were super accurate, 
but we were losing to feel until we introduced the ECS cam system. So now we've got the feel good, a smooth pull, high let off, deep value of that ECS cam on the platform that gives you 352 feet per second. And even taking it, it's funny to, to say that a bow is slow, but compared to 352, we've got you know our other models down into the you know anywhere from the mid 330s to the mid 340s with that ECS cam system. So, yes, to answer that question kind of two ways, the, there's been a little bit of a shift into that feel-good side of the market because most of the bows are already plenty fast enough. So you know, six, eight, ten years ago, you know, there were a few bows that were really, really fast to choose from. Now there are so many models out there that are giving you so much good performance You've already got that. That's that's a standard. So now you want to find out which one is going to be the best performing bow that feels the best to me. So that's when that's where that's what where the ECS cam evolved from, and turned into what it is today. So now we're giving you uh, feel and performance. Uh, the only thing we can't give you is that big deer right in front of you. You have to do that that part on your own. Well, that's the fun part. But you guys definitely. You guys definitely do offer a lot of options, and, and I hear what you're saying. You know, there was some of those really, really fast bows that you guys were offering. They just, they didn't have a lot of valley, right, on that draw cycle. And, and, and your cams that you guys have done there more recently, I agree, that's really just a noticeable increase in that comfortable draw cycle and really comfortable at full draw and... Uh, and you guys are doing some great stuff. And you know, one thing that we don't talk about enough, and when I say we, I don't just mean you and I, but I think as an industry, um, we don't talk enough about value-oriented bows. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of good budget-friendly bows on the market, but PSE has such a broad product line I really think some of the best values in all of bow hunting are some of those like $500 range bows that you guys build and you have a bunch of them and the performance that you get out of some of your uh, relatively inexpensive bows is just insane for the price and I don't know to be honest with you Bobby again because I'm guilty as everyone else of not paying enough attention to those. I can't even tell you which, you know, are the ones that you guys are offering this year. But would you mind just hitting on a couple of those really quickly? Because let's face it, you know, not everybody who wants a new bow has a thousand dollars to spend on one. And uh, I hate to see people feel like they have to settle because I don't think you really are giving up. I mean, yeah, I know it's not all of the bow that the thousand dollar bow is but man you can get a great bow you don't have to break your back and and you can take advantage of a lot of these new technologies you know that you guys have brought uh, out in the last few years with those oh yeah by, by far and i'm glad you touched on it and if you didn't go that way i was going to try and take us that way anyway but one of the bows that, that i did want to talk about was um our bow madness unleashed um, that particular model, it does not have the ECS cam, but it does have a three-track binary that was built off of the ECS cam platform. And that one there comes right out of the box, set at 85% let off. 
It's got the smooth pull of the ECS can. The only thing it doesn't have is the multiple let-off settings. But from what we found from most folks, 85 seems to be seems to be that magic point right there. When, from what uh, most of the people are telling us, they like. Um, so we built this one at 85% let-off standard. It shoots 340 feet per second, and you get that one for 5.99 retail. You can get it for 750 with a complete package on it. So, for for that guy that you said that just can't can't quite drop a thousand eleven hundred dollars on the bow, and look at that bow madness for sure because you're going to still maintain great performance. You're going to maintain great feel. The only thing you're going to give up with that bow madness is your let off adjustability, but you're still going to get the feel. You're still going to get 85% let off. Still going to get 340 feet per second and the geometry of that bow and still having the X technology built into it, you're going to have great accuracy with it too. So that's a definitely, definitely a great bow to, to take a look at at that price point. And then taking it down, you know, just a, a step further, looking at the drive series of bows, um, that drive series has that same cam that's on the Bow Madness. A um, little bit shorter axle-to-axle, a little bit deeper brace height. Um, this one is probably a little more pop for, popular for the guys sitting in tree stands, uh, sitting in ground blinds. It's 29.5 inches axle-to-axle. Um, pretty light in mass weight, too, and 3.7 pounds. This has been really popular for smaller framed archers, but not just for smaller framed archers because it goes all the way out, too. Uh, 31 inch draw so it'll fit just about anybody but for a smaller framed archer that's at least 25 and a half inch draw this bow only weighs 3.7 pounds so it's going to be super comfortable to hold a lot of fun to shoot um, still shoots 330 feet per second with a 7 inch brace height and 85 percent let off cam and that one only retails for 550 so that's a great, great bow to take a look at. And then at the at the Vegas shoot this year, we introduced a Drive SB, which is that same model with a smaller version of the cam to get down to the shorter draw length shooters. So that one fits anyone from 22 inches to 25 and a half inches, um, six and three eighth inch brace height. Uh, still all the great specs and, and next technology built into that particular model, still staying at, at only 549 And then even going a step below that one, and there's a million in between as well, but going a step below that one that, that uh, has been really, really popular for us is the Ferocity. The Ferocity has that same three-track binary, 85% let-off cam, shoots just a tick under 330 feet per second, Retails for just under 500 bucks, has a draw length range from 24 and a half to 30. And the, but the really interesting part about this one, we reintroduced our really long handle short limb design, like our Bow Madness or uh, like our Bow Madness XS from years ago, that was really popular. But and with that that particular short limb design in the pocket that we have, you have about a 30 pound range of draw length, draw weight adjustment with this bow. So that's one thing that I really like about it. You can get this bow, get a 70-pounder, take it down to to the low 30s or, or somewhere around there, and get somebody started out in it 
and that's at least 24 and a half inch raw, and that shooter can grow into a, a 30 inch, 70 pound bow, and you're gonna and you're still getting all of the great X technology that we put into our all of our higher end bows with this particular model for under 500 bucks. Yeah, like I said, you know those were those were only a handful of the different bows that you guys offer, and there's so many more. Um, like I said, you know, if you guys get on the PSE Archery website, you're going to see that this company offers literally a mind-boggling array of bows, and they have something that's pretty much for everyone's application and price range. So you want to check those out. Bobby, let's talk a little bit more about hunting season. What have you got on your calendar for the uh, for hunts this year? You know, I've... I've... I'm a little open this year at the moment here down here in Arizona. Um, we don't tell only... me you didn't draw that big elk tag you wanted this year. Holy cow! Thank thank you for reminding me that I did not draw that one again. <laughs> 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 yes, I, I did not draw that big elk tag again. And holy smokes, would this have been a great year to do it? We had record rainfall down here in Arizona um, last year. More rain than we've had in a long long time so the antler growth for this year is going to be phenomenal so this would have been a great year any year you get an elk tag is a great year but this would have been a great year for antler growth uh, so i wish i had the tag unfortunately i did not get drawn this year fortunately for me i got lucky the uh, day before i left to go work the ata show i shot a nice little coos deer with my with my carbon air um, right before i left to go work that show so i'm actually done for deer in arizona for the year so i've got i've got some time to look into hunting hunting somewhere else this fall i just haven't put anything together yet so um, so if you shoot it do your your licenses run like calendar year the the archery tag does so we can the the state will issue you a rifle permit and the and a archery permit the archery permit you can buy over the counter and our our season starts January 1 and runs through the end of January. And if you don't tag a deer during that season, that tag is still good for our mid-season, which will start the middle of August and runs through the middle of September time frame-ish. And if you don't get lucky during that season, you can use that same tag during our late season in December. So, and... And in between all those hunts, you can also get issued a rifle permit, but you can only use one or the other. So if you end up in a in a position in a time frame where you have both tags in your pack and you shoot a deer using one method or the other, you're done for the year. You can only harvest one deer. Well, I, I shot one in January, and so that was my one deer for the deer for the year in arizona so i am done personally in arizona but the neat thing about that is i've got a a 15 year old now who's gotten into hunting over the last couple years so i'll really get to spend more time not that i didn't already but i'll really get to spend some more time focusing on him and you know i'm also as much as i love to be the one to pull the trigger too i'm i really really enjoy taking people out and hunting and even especially new people you get a new guy out there behind a bow and you put a you get them in this position where they've got an animal right in front of them 
you get them hooked for life. So the more the more chances that guys like you and me to take a new guy out, the better for both of us. But um, that's probably what I'll be spending most of my time doing this fall is, is trying to bring you guys into it and helping my current group of hunting buddies too. Well, congratulations on that deer that you got back in January. I'm still scratching my head on how a, how killing that deer in January disqualifies you from getting another one this fall. Something about that doesn't seem right to me, but maybe I'll write a letter to the Arizona Game and Fish Department and, and tell them, you know, can you give my man Bobby Vargas another tag here? Because you know but then again mentoring your son and and getting some other new folks out uh, certainly uh isn't a bad use of your time either and gosh the way that uh, the way that the hunting landscape is nowadays we all need to get out there and and make disciples and and bring new people into this sport don't we yes yes we do if if each one of us could just bring in one new guy to the sport and get him hooked you know that would be that would be huge for for the industry and it doesn't sound like a lot but you know if each one of us could just bring in one guy that would that would be big and then if that guy could bring in one guy you know that that, that'd be great for the industry but uh just don't take him into my hunting spots you do take him into your spots and i'll (laughs) i'll keep my i'll keep my hunting spots pristine but i'm just kidding i'm just kidding about that but as many new people as we can bring into the sport the better uh, for all of us Um, i'm sure i'll find i'll find another place to go to uh, before this hunting season comes upon us and i'll be in a tree stand or or spot and stocking something somewhere this fall i just don't have anything booked yet but well, if you need if you need a place to go, you just let me know, Bobby, and we'll chase some whitetails. Okay, I can't promise you a giant buck, but I know that you can you can get a non-resident license over the counter here in Pennsylvania, and you know the farms that I hunt here we have in the Deer Management Assistance Program, which means we get some special. Uh, antlerless deer licenses that are good just for those properties and I could I could assure you that we could get you a a, a tag and so uh, if you just need some meat and you need something to do come on out uh, back east here and we'll we'll uh, let you sit in a tree my man well be, be careful what you offer you might find me knocking at your door here pretty soon I've got a good guest room down in my basement. You got your own area down there. You got your own bathroom. I'll make sure you get a, a couple good meals every day, and, and we'll make it happen, man. We'll have a good time. Awesome. Awesome. We, we might have to definitely take a look into that. <laughs> I get get my uh, broadheads back in my quiver. I've been shooting a lot of foam, and it's been an awful lot of fun, but uh, it's, even though it's midsummer here and hotter than heck, I can't wait to uh, load my quiver full of broadheads and shoot at something with hair on it. Well, speaking of broadheads, you know, before we wrap it up, maybe, maybe now that you mentioned broadheads, I ought to give you an opportunity to maybe give us all a few tips on how to get dialed in for the hunting season. Uh, it, it, like I said earlier, you know, it is getting to be about that time where I need to kind of start focusing on the hunting setup why don't you tell all of us how you go about making that transition and uh, you know going from those field points to the broadheads and and getting yourself dialed in for the year do you have a particular uh, strategy that you use when it comes to getting your your hunting setup 
ready to ready to rock for opening day? I do. I, I do have a, a strategy that that I put together when I'm getting ready. And um, you know, one of the things too is just about every broadhead manufacturer out there claims field point accuracy, and most most of them do. But what I've learned over the years is you need to trust yourself and you trust your abilities and and, and you know you can maintain field point accuracy. Field point accuracy is only as good as your bow is tuned and only as good as the shooter that's shooting that bow. But there are a lot of good broadheads out there that offer that. Um, I've been a huge fan of mechanicals. Um, I've been shooting mechanicals for for so long. I love the fixed later broadheads. Um, luckily for us down here in Arizona, we're, we're allowed to shoot mechanicals. And our bows have been, they're, they're just so fast anymore. They maintain so much energy that it helps drive that uh, drive a big mechanical through just about any animal. Because we all know that mechanicals do take more kinetic energy than a fixed bladed head you know, for penetration. But our bows are so fast, we can shoot just about any any giant two or three bladed mechanical and get good penetration on anything. So I've been a, a big a big fan of mechanicals because of the giant wound channels. But one of the things that that I like to do is um, I match my my broadheads to my arrows. You can't just grab a, a, a broadhead, throw it on your arrow, and stick it in your quiver and go out there. I want to match them to my arrows. And what I mean by that is it's, it's a pretty simple process. I just put my broadheads on my arrows, and I'll spin them, making sure that my broadheads are spinning true to the shaft. You don't want any kind of wobble in that broadhead. And even if, you're, if your arrow might spin true with a field point on it, you put a broadhead on there that's two or three times longer than your field point, you know, your, your, your pivot point, you know, down there at the, at the base of the ferrule where your insert is, you know, there, there's a bigger gap between the point and that and and your insert with a broadhead than there's a field point. So you need to make sure that you spin every broadhead on every shaft and make sure that they all spin true. And going back to you know field point accuracy, the only way that that you're going to know for sure is by practicing with them. It does get a little pricey, but I promise you, it's going to pay off in the long run by knowing where your broadheads hit. And, you know, taking it another step further from there is finding the right vein to work with that broadhead, too. Um, there's a lot of, you know, big, high-profile veins out there and different fletching jigs and things like that. Try different things to, to build the best configuration that's going to make your total setup work. For me personally, I like the AAE Stealth veins. It's just a hair under a three-inch vein. It's got the same overall surface area as their Stealth Hunter, which is a shorter, high-profile vein. But the Stealth vein, with a little lower profile, it's a little quieter. And I've been a big fan of the Arizona Easy Fletch Mini that puts a hard right helical on, on the shaft. That configuration with just about any broadhead I put on the tip of my arrow, I've, I've been able to maintain field point accuracy. But I'll still go out and I'll check my broadheads at, at every yardage setting that I have so that when I leave here, I know that no matter what distance I'm going to shoot that broadhead, it's going to hit where I'm aiming at. You don't want, you don't want to have to guess. And these animals are too precious to to risk wounding one because you just didn't know your equipment. You you owe it to them to know your equipment. So. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, no surprise that you're like Arizona proud on your choice of veins, right? And jig and all that. So you Arizona boys got to stick together. (laughs) You know, if I lived up there in your neck of the woods, I'd be using the same stuff. Um, Yeah, I, I, I I didn't even put those two together when I was talking about it because... To, to me, I mean, yes, they're, they're Arizona companies, but those two products together, I mean, I've had some some incredible incredible luck with those configurations, and, and uh, I haven't been able to put anything else together that'll beat it. Yeah, I'm just giving... Out there, I'll look, but... <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time. That AAE, the Easy Fletch Mini is, really is a slick little jig, and I've used that, you know many many times it's you can you can fletch a dozen arrows in 20 minutes with that thing and it does a great job it'll pretty much handle um they probably make different sizes i think the one that i have is kind of probably what handle any vein probably under three inches long and put them on there but uh yeah really couldn't it's kind of idiot proof you don't need a you don't need a uh, an advanced degree in anything to be able to fletch your arrows with that thing. And and to be honest with you, that's probably the primary reason why I use it because it's simplicity. And you know, it, you and I are so busy doing so many different things. You know, you don't need to take up three times the amount of time to fletch an arrow using using a, a jig that's going to drop one vein at a time. I'm not saying that they won't work, and I'm not suggesting not to use it. But for me personally, when I can do, if I buy two jigs at what are they, forty-five, fifty bucks a piece, and I can do a dozen arrows in fifteen minutes, that saves me so much more time away from my workbench and gives me more time out on the range to practice and that's that's more important to me yeah and um you haven't gotten caught up i guess in the uh the four fletch five fletch six fletch i actually saw a social media post this week uh the guy had 16 it was it was kind of a, a spoof but still you know that's like where we're going bobby there's 16 veins on the back of that arrow he had it in like three different layers you know yeah like three three rows it's really funny that that you even mentioned that right now because as i'm as i'm talking to you i'm looking at my arrow bin and i have i have an arrow in here that's six fletched um, that I, I got caught up in that a couple years ago, and it sure as heck looked really cool, but it definitely took a long time to fletch, and I don't know if I personally saw a significant advantage by doing a six-fletched arrow. Um, that three-fletch jig with the hard right helical, I think, has done more uh, enough, if not more, for my setups than a four- or a six-fletch jig. Well, we could we could do a whole show just talking about vein configurations, but for the purpose of today's episode, we'll simply say this. We can safely declare right here on Peterson's Bow Hunting Radio that there have been more animals killed in the history of the world with arrows fleshed with three veins than any other configuration ever. Would you feel confident in backing me up on that, Bobby? I, I think I would sleep well tonight after making 
Oh my goodness. Well, listen, man, we are we are just now approaching an hour, which is what I consider to be the sweet spot for for these shows generally. It probably gives everybody a chance to uh, make it to work if they're listening in the car or, or if you have a shorter commute, maybe you get a half of the show in on your way in and the other half on the way home. But I'll tell you what, it's always good catching up with you, Bobby, and it's been it's been too long since we talked to talk to you and we're going to have to make sure to um you know get you back on before too long and, and we're going to have to make sure we get you somewhere to hunt some whitetails this fall because surely one deer in january is not going to be enough to satisfy your considerable bloodlust until 2020 you're exactly right and, and although the experience was great our little deer out here are tiny too our coos deer are really small so not only did did i satisfy the experience of it in, of my deer hunting for the year in january but my freezer's already almost empty we've, we've consumed that deer we're almost done with that deer already and the only reason we're not already done with it was my little boy shot a real nice one at the end of last year, so between the three of us, we're eating on, on two deer that are already almost gone. So I definitely need some more meat in the freezer, but uh, need the experience and, and the camaraderie. It's so much fun to share camp with, with guys like you and new people, and when you can just sit around the fire or, or sit around having a cup of coffee and talking about you know, bow hunting and life in general. Absol- absolutely, man. And, and I'll tell you what, we got the farmers out here they are always begging us to kill more deer because um, usually right after the season ends, I get a call uh, from my buddy, the farmer, and I pick the phone up and he says, you didn't kill enough. There's 30 standing in by my barn right now. So uh, I'm always getting a hard time. So I actually need hired guns or hired bows, as it were. So uh, by all means, get those broadheads dialed in, man, and, and be ready because you're liable to get a call from me this fall. And in sheer desperation, I'm going to say, Bobby, I'm going to lose access to a couple of these farms if I can't kill some more deer. I need you out here. Well, we we can't have that happen, so if I need to do my part to maintain your access to those farms, then then let's make it happen. You know, anything that you're willing to do for the good of the sport, it just goes to show you've got a real servant's heart, my friend. (laughs) Yes, now we just need to convince my wife of that, but if we get past that, then we're there. Well, you just give me her, you send me her number after we're done with the show, and I'll I'll vouch for you, okay? Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate that and look forward to it if we can make it happen. All right, my man. Well, thank you so much again for your time. It was it was a pleasure talking uh, archery and bow hunting with you. And uh, I wish you the best as we, and we head into the fall here. I'm sure that whether it's with me or somewhere else, you're going to find yourself in, in a few camps here or there. And when, when we meet at the ATA show, uh, which sadly will be here before we know it. Uh, The rest of this year I know is going to fly by. I will look forward to seeing all the good stuff that PSE has lined up for 2020. Definitely. We look forward to catching up with you out there and um, spending some time with you and showing the new stuff. And definitely, anytime you want to get together and do another podcast, I cannot believe an hour has already passed. It feels like we just got on on this phone call and and it's time to wrap it up. I got so many other things I'd love to chat with you about, so anytime you want to do it, you let me know. 
I will, and I hope our listeners feel the same way that the hour went by as quickly for them as it did for us. Thanks again, Bobby, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com. 